On the show today, hot game summer, we're always angry, and are you not entertained in three, two, one? having a hot dice summer a hot dice summer not quite um it's been a little chilly so i'm having a slightly chilled out dice summer oh okay it needs to be more dnd in it yeah absolutely you gotta roll yourself a a, a natural 35 fahrenheit 35 yeah that's what you use the d100 for temperature hey everybody welcome to total pebble knockdown i'm nathan I am Alex. And uh, we just rolled uh, a nat whatever, so... Negative two degrees Celsius. We rolled a negative two degrees Celsius, but you didn't even know that was a thing. How much is that in Fahrenheit, anyway? I do not know. Okay. On our weekly muse... This week, uh, we had talked a little bit about the Bethesda showcase, a lot actually about the Bethesda and Xbox showcase last week, but uh, there was also the Summer Game Fest that took place around the same time, and uh, I wanted to at least acknowledge that it exists, and also some of the things that uh, we saw, because uh, there were a few interesting game announcements. I don't know if you followed any of it. Uh, not as much. And I do have to say that in comparison to, like, the announcements at, like, Xbox and Bethesda, it might not have been quite as interesting for most people. Um, and uh, and a lot of, like, the indie titles and stuff, those were on other smaller pieces. Like, you, you saw Devolver Digital still do their showcase, which is more for the skit. You like to watch those for the, for the fun sketches that they do to make fun of the corporatization of the whole thing. But uh, for Summer Games Fest itself, we did get a few interesting announcements. Unfortunately, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of it is going to be uh, sequels and remakes. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go over that a little bit before we actually get to like new IPs, which is the more interesting stuff, I think. So sequels. A few of these, I just don't understand why we have them. So there's going to be a Kingdom Hearts 4. Wait, what's this one titled? Do we have a name? Uh, yeah, 560 over 385 squared. I think you're making Remorse. that up, but I can't really tell. <laughs> yeah. Because that sounds like a name that yep. they already have. Yep, yeah, it probably is. Um, I, I can tell you that I think it's the same guy that's producing this as the, like, the last Kingdom Hearts game. So oh, okay. At least they're keeping it together. And keeping the story apparently as incomprehensible as humanly possible, because I, I, I can't I cannot figure it out. But um also uh, uh, in other news we don't understand why this is a thing. Uh we're getting Alan Wake too. Because I didn't play the first one, but Yeah. Remedy ran out of ideas. <laughs> I don't know. I, I tried the first one. It's um, well-known mostly for the uh, flashlight mechanics, where you have to hold the flashlight oh. while you're holding the gun so that you can aim. Okay, I remember this vaguely. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's a very specific kind of title. The, th the thing is, Remedy is good at making games i'm going to tell you that like quantum break was pretty good but also control if you've never played control i have it but i haven't played it i do recommend it i think it's a really really solid game and considering the conspiracy theory kind of you know yeah i know a little bit about it from something else i think we've touched on briefly uh that it is actually based upon mm. stuff from the scp universe yeah. Which, at some point, I do want to talk about SCP with you. Yes. Um, but I want someone else on the show for that, so I'll try and find somebody who's more in sure. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff there, and kind of like the underground foundation stuff that's going on. But, um, but Alan Wake 
is a hard sell for a lot of people. Uh, more happy, though, yay, that there's going to be, Alex, I don't know how happy I can tell you I am. There's going to be a Goat Simulator 3. Oh, I saw, uh, I heard about that, too. I was like, I didn't realize there was a second one. I don't even know if there was. Maybe they just there... went to 3. <laughs> Straight to plaid. Straight to plaid. Um, it's a four-player co-op goat action. You can... Four-player co-op goat action. And if there's ever a time where we can have a nice little co-op game for a stream some, <laughs> some month, Great. it's going to can... be Goat Simulator. It's goats with your friends. Goats with your friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're, we're getting a few of those. Uh, remakes. Okay. Big remakes going on. Uh, Last of Us is getting a PS5 remake, although... I heard about that. Yeah. A lot of people uh, did say it might look a little similar to the original, but they're... I heard about it, and then I think the people I was listening to were like, why? It's not really that old a game? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, maybe they just didn't want to keep going after, like, Last of Us 2 if they want. They didn't know what to do with the storyline past that. They were thinking to themselves, well, maybe we'll just go back. <laughs> go back and, and upscale uh, a little bit. I guess there is some changes that are going to be made, but it's very... Uh, I, I can't really tell what that's going to be. Uh, Resident Evil 4, though, is going to get a remake, and that looks like it's a complete overhaul. Like, a totally different game than what was there before still not gonna play it hey look it's great when you play with the game shark cheats on like i did back on the game oh can you move and shoot at the same time then no but you're invincible so you don't care as much oh okay yeah uh actually i think in the new one you're gonna be able to do that oh, great it's gonna be in third person though still instead of first great uh, some people weren't really sold on that with like seven I don't know. I don't play Resident Evil. Fair enough. Uh, but, on the other hand, there's going to be a whole lot more Final Fantasy 7s. When you say a whole lot more Final Fantasy 7s, what do you mean? Well, you remember that they had that Final Fantasy 7 remake that they made? Yeah, vaguely, yes. Okay, were you aware that that was only, like, part one of a lot of them? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize they hadn't gone and done more of it yet. Oh, well, they are now. So, yeah. but what they essentially did was they took the original Final Fantasy VII game and split it into, like, the discs, I assume? Kinda, but they also changed up a lot of stuff. Yeah, they changed all, all the graphics, everything's way better, all the systems are more well, updated, of course. But but also, um, like, in the first game, like, Sephiroth barely even comes into it, and there is... Spoiler, although it might not be a spoiler because I didn't play it. But if if you're wondering about story inconsistencies from the original game to the new one, there's supposed to be some sort of, like, uh, anomaly that they discover toward the end. Like, th that's the reason why there are changes from one one game. So they expanded on the story. Got so this is like what they around. did when they took Full Metal Alchemist, the anime, mm -hmm. and then they went, we're not quite as happy as we want with this. Let's make Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which instead of being a two-season-long anime, is like a seven-season-long anime. Oh. And we're going to skip, we're going to gloss over some of the stuff we spent way too much time on in the first one, and expand on things we didn't go nearly in-depth upon Right. in the first one, in the second one. And honestly, uh, I know you're not much of an anime fan, but Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, th I think what they're trying to go for is the multiverse -y kind of thing that everybody's into right now. I love uh, multiverses. Ooh. And the idea, of course, of, of this one is that the story of, like, Cloud and Aerith and Sephiroth and all of that is different in this version than in the original version. And so... Sure, you gotta mix it up to make people want to play it. You gotta you surprise think. them. Yeah. But... At the end of the day, yes, in terms of the overall story, it's it's about, like, a third of the actual storyline of Seven. That's the remake part. So, obviously, they have to make others past that so that they can get the whole thing in there. Right. In one way or another. Um, so, there's that. Uh, there is also, though, the one I'm actually interested in, Knights of the Old Republic. 
they are. Oh, they're remaking it. They are actually doing the remakes. So. That does sound interesting. I'd like to see how that plays out in a newer generation uh, environment of gaming. It was such a great RPG, and I think that it would really benefit from modern technology and updates to the user and interface. And Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Who's making that remake? Is it Obsidian? I don't no. think it's Obsidian. No, 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 because Obsidian's not working for that anymore. This is actually something that I think was originally announced in September. They were just giving more information on it right now. But what I can tell you is that the KOTOR remake is in development by a whole bunch of people, actually. Aspire Media, Lucasfilm Games, and Sony Interactive. That's a lot of people. And a lot of people that worked on KOTOR, if I remember correctly, I think Aspire... Really? Well, yeah, Lucasfilm, like LucasArts, it wasn't Lucasfilm, but LucasArts worked on it. Maybe it's like when EA remastered the original Command & Conquer Red Alert and Siberian Sun games. Maybe. Where they're like, hey, we actually brought in, like, part of the original team that worked on this game. Yeah. To help us remaster it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, shit, okay, good job, EA. We're actually proud of you for that. Like, great, Westwood Studios is was fantastic until you destroyed them but i'm glad you bought some of the brought like the people in from petroglyph that are the old team yeah from westwood to work on that because that is smart smart yeah it, it certainly is also good press yes yes uh and they also did mention this is kind of nice that kotor the remake would be an action rpg instead of like the D, D inspired combat that the original one had it's more the turn days so okay. they're gonna probably gonna do something similar to like what the Final Fantasy did when they got the modern ones and they made it more of like a real time strategy instead of a turn based kind of thing. So we'll see how that goes. It does say that they're rebuilding it from the ground up, but it's in early development right now. Anyway, that's gonna happen. If if I had one of the remakes that I was interested in, it would probably be that one. So yeah, uh, I'm probably more interested in that than anything else you've talked about. So, so there's especially that. Uh, Kingdom Hearts for 100 over 25 by six times 32 <laughs> second power. Find the square root of X. <laughs> These are just called the Kingdom Hearts pie. That would have been great. Blueberry pie. Anyway, uh, so there was that, but. Good news, there are actually a few original game titles that are going to be made, and I thought that it would be worthwhile to actually talk about those, because I, I'm always happy to see new IPs. First one is going to be called Callisto Protocol. Now, this might not necessarily be something of interest to you, but I do want to talk a little bit about it, just because it is going to be a new game from the original devs that made Dead Space. Uh, so if you're not familiar with that story, basically there was an original dev team that worked on Dead Space, and then when they went to do 2 and 3, um, the dev team changed and they wanted to make them more action RPGs after that. Not a horror survival game on the spaceship, like the alien-inspired one that the first one was. Um, anyway, a lot of the dev team went off, made their own studio, and they're doing something that's like Dead Space. It's on, it's on a space station, and it's going to be more of that horror survival kind of thing. And they renamed it and got new lore and everything for it. I think um, I heard about this one as well. Yes. Uh, not to be confused with a new Dead Space game that they're also making, or that other one that also is kind of Dead Space, because... Everybody's apparently making these now. But uh, I think I have the most hope for this one only because the, it's the original devs. Witchfire. I yes. Think you we talked about that briefly. Yes. Uh, not on air, though. We didn't do oh, that. Let's talk about it briefly. <laughs> briefly, yeah. Uh, Witchfire basically it looks more like an action like shooter, but with like this arcane like uh fantasy setting like victorian i think is what it was yeah like the victorian setting where you can like have fire coming out of your freaking gun and stuff <laughs> like that's called a flamethrower nathan that's right that's a flamethrower that's right i forgot it's the boring gun but back <laughs> back in the day um uh, that got a lot of press it looks really fast-paced and uh the aesthetics are really interesting so uh looking forward to that 
And then the, and co-op, I believe, too. So I believe there is co-op in, in it. That would be really great. Uh, th that that would lend itself very well to a co-op game. And then probably the one that I'm most interested in that we also talked about briefly, but not on air, is uh, Nightingale. And if, yeah. if you don't remember that one... I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nightingale is like a, uh, a survival game. Uh, it's got survival aspects, but it's set in more of a fantasy setting where there are, like, trolls and monsters that are coming through these portal gates into the world in okay. more of, like, a medieval setting. And so you're still trying to build bases and do, do all of those crafting things, but also dealing with giant monsters that are coming at you. That's what I like to do. I like to do it too. Oh, Nightingale's the one I was thinking of. That one's Victorian. Yeah, Witchfinder also has that kind of thing going on too, though. If you look at the difference between the two, they, different kinds of games, similar kind of setting. Um, Witchfire being a lot more like an actual shooter, and Nightingale being more of a crafting survival kind of game. Okay. Uh, but I think I like the, the idea behind the crafting survival, because then you actually get to use your axes on trolls. Perfect. You, you can chop down the trolls, and then you can use them as firewood. You can use them. Because they're, they're vulnerable to fire. And it keeps them from regenerating. Exactly. So there's that. Um, I don't think that we are going to be waiting all that long for those particular titles, so I'm... Uh, we'll find out. We'll we'll have to find out. Um, but uh, besides the Summer Game Fest, they also had things like Devolver Digital t doing a Cult of the Lamb, I think was the one big one that they showed off. But let's face it, those are really just more entertaining for the actual sketch part. Yeah, I heard about that too. And uh, I think it was Yahtzee and his, whoever he was with at the time. They're like, yeah, that's just De Devolver being Devolver. Yeah, it pretty much is. It's just fine at this point. It's not really as much game-centric as, as Summer Game Fest was. But they did make a few interesting announcements. I think the most important things there are going to be like the KOTOR remake, and I'm looking forward to Nightingale, and I I'd like to see what Callisto Protocol is. Maybe we can all try Nightingale together. If it comes out and uh, it looks good... <laughs> it still looks sure. good. We'll see how it is. Uh, yeah, because I I, um, I think that might be a sleeper hit. That feels like something that might be a sleeper hit. Um, Maybe. We don't know because it's a sleeper hit. It's a sleep at the wheel. I have stopped getting my hopes up, though, for games. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Excitement died a long time ago. He's uh, no longer able to be excited. But whether or not it's good or bad, uh, if we play it... We will probably talk about it on the show. Let us move past the big summer game announcements fest <laughs> that we've done over the last couple weeks and talk about something a little bit more analog. Clocks. Yes, definitely clocks. But also, in a recent episode where we were talking about uh, character classes, uh, we mentioned that uh, Barbarian is, like, a really weird thing. Well, I just... think you mentioned it. I made a comment that, well... I'm, I'm looping you in because I don't want to okay. be alone on this. Uh, but, but, but I had mentioned, fine, I'll own it. That it's really weird to, like, say, you know, when I grow up, like, I can understand people are like, hey, I want to become a wizard. I want to become, like, a, I want to become a paladin or something. But I want to become a barbarian. Didn't really seem like a choice you'd imagine people yeah. making. So, yeah, so. Yeah. Barbarian's an interesting one compared to, like, a, 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 you know, a fighter or cleric or, you know, some of those can be professions. Sure. Like, if you are a cleric, you are a church, you know, clergyman, essentially, you're a divine uh, prophet or, you know, holy warrior is more of the paladin thing. Sure. Um, but, like, a ranger can be, like, profession fighter. You can be like, all right, yeah, I'm a fighter. I'm also, like, part of the militia. That's kind of a profession. 
and a wizard is scholarly, you know. A lot of these things you can see as like partial like professions, but barbarian is a little weird because it's like, okay, well, barbarian is more of a lifestyle. Okay. If you want to think of it that way, typically when you think of the connotations of a barbarian in D&D, it is you are part of a tribe of nomads and similar stuff or a camp of more like outskirts of town. But you're more of a uh, tribe and barbarian is just like your culture, if you will. Like, it seems more that way. I know it's not, like, something that it depicts specifically in the book necessarily mm-hmm. for D&D, but a barbarian typically is, like, your culture is of these, like, lightly armored, close-to-nature warriors mm-hmm. who whip into a frenzy uh, to deal damage and to kill things, all that stuff. Fun. So, you were saying that barbarian, uh, what were you saying about it? Well, that it just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that, like, a character it, that you'd play just suddenly up and says, well, I guess this is my profession now. Yeah. So Barbarian's a little weird in that fit, because you don't really, you know, I want to grow up and be a Barbarian. It's more like, no, I kind of, and I think in most people, for if, when they play Barbarian, it's like, yeah, I kind of grew up in a tribe, yeah. maybe of barbarians but mm-hmm. I, I don't think people necessarily put that much thought into it whereas other synonyms that you could use for a uh, barbarian could be like a rage fighter or a frenzy uh frenzy berserker or a berserker itself sure. or anything similar to that it's okay. where you know instead of just being a, a strict fighter trained it's just you kind of go i'm kind of strong and i get mad yeah. I channel all my anger and, and fury into devastating attacks. It's one of those weird spaces because, yeah, you've got your fighter and they are disciplined. And the barbarian tends to not be a disciplined fighter. They're like, they're not trained in as many weapons. They're not trained in as much armor. Mm-hmm. They generally eschew the heavier armors in favor of just raw toughness. Sure. It's one of those things where I think. For instance, mm. barbarian can be interesting if you've got someone mad, angry, somebody who just kind of goes off the handle. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want to be just a normal fighter. Maybe you're like, yeah, maybe I've just got an anger issue, so I'm going to take a couple levels on barbarian for rage. For got instance, it. my character, Hephaestus, was a druid, but he also had a were, you know, he was also a were tiger, and he was kind of, uh, kind of had animal instincts some of the time. So it would have been in my character's flavor to have dipped into Barbarian for Rage because it would make sense with, okay, well, he's kind of animalistic and kind of gets a little uncivilized sometimes. So putting him into Barbarian would definitely add that touch of, okay, well, he's just kind of wild now. Mm. You know, that kind of thing can add flavor to it as a class. What, uh, since I never really, like, did a lot of research into Barbarian, because frankly, it's probably the class I was least likely to ever play, uh, what does Rage actually do? Uh, without looking at it and trying to remember offhand, Mm. Rage, um, makes your strength and damage and everything go up. Your constitution go up, so you gain temporary hit points. Okay. So you do more damage, you gain temporary hit points. Occasionally, I think you can like do other things with it, depending on uh, your archetype and whatnot. Mm. Um, I think it reduces your AC a little bit. Okay. And then after you've raged, you're fatigued until you like rest. But you can rage for a certain amount of rounds uh, per day, I think. Got it. We could look it up, but it's lengthy and I don't want to read it. So anyone right. who's not familiar with Rage, look it up. You like lose like maybe 2 AC, but you gain improved hit points and damage. So you're looking it up. I am, just so that I can <laughs> just so that we don't have to have to think about it. Sure, uh, I don't like thinking anyways. I don't like. Okay, so here's what actually happens with Rage. Um in battle you fight with Primal Ferocity. On your turn you can enter a rage as a bonus action. Uh, yes. while, while raging, you gain the following benefits if you're not 
if you aren't wearing heavy armor. Yeah, barbarians do not wear heavy armor, except if you've got a subclass of it that lets you. Okay. Um, they shoot that because they get damage reduction naturally, so... Fair enough. Um, you have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. Okay, yeah. Uh, Forgot about that. You can make a melee weapon attack using strength. You gain a plus two bonus to the damage roll. This bonus increases as you level. Uh, okay, I see that. There's there's increased bonuses to three and four when you get into higher levels. Uh, you have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Nice. Okay, they change. I was thinking of an older version of Rage, I guess. You must have been thinking 3.5. Now, resistance in 5e means you take half damage, half. right? It's half damage, yeah. Which is makes that really broken. Right, because bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing are like the three most common ways you're going to get damage. Any non-magical weapons. Yeah, exactly. This is probably the reason why you can't do this with heavy armor, because if you took heavy armor mastery and you had that while you were raging, you basically never take damage. Um, you just need some adamantine light armor. Yes. Oh my Anyways, god. Anyways, continue. Uh, if you are able to cast spells, you can't cast them or concentrate on them while raging. Right. This is why in 3.5 there is a prestige class called a Rage Mage, which actually lets you cast spells while you are raged. Oh my. That seems dangerous. Um, yeah, especially if you're throwing fireballs in melee. Yeah. Uh, your rage lasts for one minute. Uh, it ends early if you're knocked unconscious or if your turn ends and you haven't attacked a hostile creature since your last turn or taken damage since then. You can also end your rage on your turn as a bonus action. And da -da -da -da. if you have, once you've raged the maximum number of times for your barbarian level, you must finish a long rest before you can rage again. You may rage two times at first level, three at third, four at sixth, five at twelfth, and six at seventh. That seems so like more than tight a level. Yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh... I would, I'll, I'll, honestly, I would change that to a short rest to, like, mm. regain a expenditure of rage, personally. Right, right. Because it seems a little weird that they can't, like, sorcerers and wizards gain some stuff back when they short rest. So, sure. like, that's your main class feature as a barbarian, so I feel like it would be, like, you'd want a short rest to regain the use of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then have a clause in there if you rage, like, more times than you normally could in a day, mm. you know, you you get fatigued or something. Right, right. Um, and then adding on to that is stuff like Reckless Attack, where basically you can have advantage on melee attack rolls, but then you also have uh, advantage given towards enemies that are attacking you. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, I I know that some people really love playing Barbarians. I think it's probably the, the class I had a, the least amount of interest in playing. They can be fun. Yeah. They can be... You can do some really interesting stuff with them if you mix Rage with, like, Reckless Attack. It's like, I am a frontline berserker. I'm wearing no armor. Yeah. Conan style. Oh, sure. You know, loincloth and a great axe. Yeah. Or, you know, some interesting builds of that. I imagine that Barbarians were kind of created because people wanted to do, like, the Conan the Barbarian. Probably. I, I imagine that lore is one of the well, reasons why, but... Well, I know that there are other variants of Rage classes, like the <sighs> Battle Rager, I think, is one that used to be a class. But sure. that was a... What that was is a heavy armored variant. And a oh, battle rager was someone who would wear like heavy spiked armor and would go in grappling. Okay. So they would essentially like grab their enemies and like hug them with all of the spikes on their armor and stab them and stuff. It's like, I'm just going to go in and grapple you and throw you down and tackle you and like wrestle you okay. while I'm wearing stuff that will hurt you a lot. That's like that's like a huggable spike growth. It's, it's like if you use a spike shield, for instance. Yeah. You know, that's a weapon. It's not just a shield. So there's that. And uh, at, at third level on those, obviously, you get the class. So when we're talking about the paths, are we thinking that the reason is because of, like, the clan, the, you know, society that you came from is the reason why you pick different paths? 
like from a potentially i mean i think it's closer tied to like a native american tribe type deal um, where you'd have the totems and whatnot granted i'm not sure if it's just not sure if it's just like native american or just in general tribal <clears throat> but sure. um i know for the, the you can be the path of the totem warrior i think is one of them yeah and you pick a different aspect mm-hmm. uh each time you gain something from that i don't remember what the other one is though or is it all totem path in the base what uh there's a oh my god you're gonna make me look up stuff barbarian yeah you're already there all right an easy guide to paths thank you so much role players respite okay let's see if i can tell you what we've got so we've got a path of the berserker totem warrior battle rager ancestral guardian storm herald zealot and that i think that's it i think those are the only there might be more uh but this is um this is all they had as of 2020 this article i'm sure there's more now but i know the ancestral guardian is more of like has some spell abilities that sure i mean mean, they they've done a lot of that with their stuff so Mm. Um. yeah uh, and then the Totem Warrior, yeah, takes on aspects of animals to improve combat prowess. Uh, so if you yeah. if you really want to do that, yeah, um, there's definitely some fun ones in there. Yeah, uh, I'm curious what the Battle Rager is now. Oh well, I mean, I can tell you that. Uh, yes, please. The, the only barbarian path that came out of Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Um, they they say this is weird, uh, but. They get access to a special type of medium armor, which is spiked armor. Yes. That armor fuels a lot of the class features. So in uh, medium armor, which means that you get the benefits of rage, and you still add the plus two to your armor class, uh, but you don't need to prioritize dex. The sixth level feature, Reckless Abandon, uh, means that you gain temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier. So if you don't have any temp hit points, you can re-up it every time you attack recklessly. Interesting. So what do you do? Uh, you gain... If you don't have any temp hit points, you can re-up it every time you attack recklessly. Okay, so by... That's every, worded poorly. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay. Reckless Abandoned. Anytime you use Reckless Attack, you gain temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier. But only if you don't have temporary hit points already. Uh, yes. That's weird. You gain temporary, uh, you can re-up it every time. Oh no, I guess you can do it. Anyways, so I think if you wanted to do a Battle Rager, it'd be really great as a... What do you get from having the spiked armor? Is it a weapon attack? I don't know. Also, I would totally use, like, some bladed shit. It, it says it says that um, the most that you'd really do from spiked armor is, like, three piercing damage. Three whole <laughs> piercing damage. Worth it. <laughs> Worth, Worth it. it. Um, I would... If I was going to do a Barbarian and... I wanted to do like a battle rager for instance I would be mm. like alright well I'm also gonna take a, a class level in monk mm. and then you get the the fury flurry of blows and you get unarmed damage that's way better so you take unarmed damage and just grapple okay, and okay. then you just throw yourself at the enemy okay yeah and you just pummel them to pieces so uh, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a of a thing um, there's a there's a site I like to visit when I'm trying to get into the the mechanics part of D and D. That's called RPGbot.net. Uh, I don't actually think it's a bot. Uh, I think it's actually somebody who writes these articles. But they do whole breakdowns of subclasses, and they even color code them from like bad to great. Like, uh, and, I think I've seen that. Yeah, and it's it's handy as a little thing. And they, they say that the path of the Battle Rager is basically not very great <laughs> as, as far as, as classes go. But ones like Ancestral Guardian is like the goat, uh, Path of the Beast, which is uh, fairly new. Berserker, not good, apparently. Hmm. Path of the Berserker. Um, it's iconic. If you want to get mad and wreck people's faces, the Berserker is a fine choice. <laughs> 
But the ability, they have a signature ability called Frenzy that has a complicated interaction with the exhaustion rules. Wow. Yeah. I think some of these might be better if you just house rule some of the stuff. Like I said, where the um, short rest would give you a charge of rage back, for instance. A little bit of modifying sure. it to make it more friendly might be nice. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, if you take Path of the Totem Warrior, it's considered one of the most uh, versatile kinds of classes for barbarians. Um, and if you take the bear as your totem spirit, it's, it says, you are basically an unstoppable pile of damage resistance and hit points. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, so, a lot of different things there. Um, and also, uh, Path of Wild Magic, which is a little bit like Wild Magic Sorcerer. Uh, you so get spell-like abilities and stuff? You get some spell-like abilities, yeah. Um... It comes with a, a wild magic table. Nice. Those are, so. those are interesting and fun. Wild magic is one of those areas that are hit or miss sometimes, obviously. You roll on a on a table like to figure out what the effects are. Yeah. Uh, speaking of wild magic, when you in uh, first joined our D&D game and you were in Nomingard, it's, yeah. it's a wild magic area. Oh, great. Um, and as you were casting spells, I was rolling on the table to see if anything would happen. Nothing happened, which is why you didn't know it was a wild magic area. Yeah. Um, but I was rolling on the table to see if anything would happen. Oh, God. <laughs> that's that's good to know. It And considering I'm, like, the only spellcaster around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Well, I, think I should it was say any... Hawksbane does know spells, too. Sure, I think it was any spell over level one, uh, that was above a cantrip that got cast would be wild magic cantrips didn't affect it for whatever reason so anyways i don't even remember um, what i cast so don't either anyways so barbarian a lot of options a lot of them deal with dealing massive damage being a huge hp sponge hmm. um and just the general function of getting really mad and wrecking things and having different like animal spirits totems things like that being really close to like nature and guardian spirits sure okay so i think if you think of barbarian as more of a way of life than a profession okay i think it fits more than with what you're thinking of generally as classes yeah maybe that's why it always felt a little out of place for me compared to a lot of them because it always feels like when we're talking about classes we're talking about a very specific choice that characters have made in the path that they're going down and barbarian it, it the way it sounds and the way you've made it sound is that it is really the life that you were almost born into that is is what you've known the entire right time. it's kind of i mean in a similar fashion a monk and a warlock that's true because oh i don't think you typically go yes i'm a monk it's a profession you go i kind of want to adopt the monk lifestyle Right. And then you go to, a, like, a monastery and you learn monk things. Yeah. You know, how to be an immortal mm. deity, essentially, by level 20. Right, right. Um, And yeah. then Warlock is like, ah, yes, I would like to make a pact with this creature, demon. devil, demon, angel, yeah. or sentient weapon. Yeah. And it's like, these are choices you make in your life that are not just like, ah, yeah, I'm a fighter. No, it's like... I'm gonna make a pact with this demon for power. I'm gonna I'm gonna join this monastery because I don't need to eat, breathe, or sleep ever again. Yeah, these are choices that feel like they are are beyond going out on adventures. These are life choices that you've made. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, in some ways, I guess you could make the same, uh, you know, you could make the same argument for even clerics and paladins and stuff like that. Sure. You, you've made I... a literal life decision. I think it'd be interesting to approach character creation from the point of life choices rather than just background and class choices to be like, yeah, okay, I want to do a, a monk. And you're like, here's the reason I became a monk. I think that'd be an interesting way to fill out some backstory. It would be interesting if you kind of did the, the, you know, almost reverse design your character uh, so that you're like, okay, I don't know what class I'm playing. I don't know that. I'm going to figure out what my character is, and then based on what the storyline is, we'll determine what the character is, uh, because that's going to inform a lot about who who I am. 
right. I think that there's a lot of times people are like, well, this is the class I want to play, and so I'm going to play that class, and we'll figure out what my character is that got you there. Um, I think that it would be uh, interesting to actually just say, okay, here's here's the storyline I have about the character that got you to point A, and then we'll figure out what class makes the most sense for that character after you've done that. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I could, right. I could say I just want to like raise the dead. Well, that's which is what be... you keep saying. Yeah, and I know that I have two options for that, pretty much. Next week on the show, Nathan raises the dead and decides decides if I want to do that as a wizard or a cleric. That's the big thing. If you have an idea about why you wanted to be a barbarian. Or if you do want to be a barbarian at all, let us know in the comments down below or over on our Discord channel. Finally on the show, we have a Mechanically Speaking. And finally. Finally, yeah. We kind of spoke about mechanics on the last one, but this is actually a Mechanically Speaking. Because, are you ready to get in the ring? I'm ready to rumble! Excellent! Okay, so... <laughs> and, and Thor and uh, the Hulk end up fighting each other. And that's fun for everybody. That's oh, a great transition. That's a Marvel Cinematic Universe thing that you probably... He's a friend from work. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so... We were talking a little bit before we started recording about the nature of going through a series of, like, arena fights. Yeah. And what the mechanics behind that are. It's Or the reasons behind it. Or the reasons behind it, yeah. It's something that I, like, we, we can talk about it in terms of actually laying this out for, a, uh, like, a TTRPG. Um, sure. But uh, before I we do that i did want to make mention that i see this a lot as like a plot line in almost every rpg video game that i have ever played in my entire life i've <laughs> i've seen this in zelda this was fable kotor fallout uh skyrim actually well, like every if... elder scrolls game yeah, has had a point where uh, Caspian Curse of Darkness had something similar. The other thing we we're talking about, not just arenas, but was like towers, towers, like battle towers. Yeah, even Pokemon has a battle arena and battle tower type stuff too. I was playing Yakuza like a dragon, and there is like a 100 level deep, like a uh, fighting arena system or something like that. It goes 30 yeah, to 40 uh, Castlevania Curse of Darkness actually has a battle a tower. Uh, yeah. I forget it. It's named like the Tower of Infinite or something like Tower that. Tower of Terror but it, or something. But it goes up 50 floors. Yep. You fight up 50 floors and then you can glide over to the next side. There's another tower and you fight down 50 floors. Oh, God. Nice. Um, and that one's harder because it's got a bunch of mechanics that you need to interact with in the right way or else you can't beat it. Um, I, I just, I think... Wouldn't it be amazing if they had a whole thing where, like, you have to fight up 50 floors of the tower, and then they, like, give you, like, a, a special chest, and it's, like, on a little platform that's off of the tower, and so you have to make this one pivotal jump to get to that, <laughs> to get to that platform for the one, and if you miss, you fall all the way down to the bottom, and you have to fight your way back up to 50 floors again. And they have a really bad camera angle on it, so you miss every time. Absolutely. I it's, would... it's just, <laughs> you can't interact. There's no platform. I could see that in the next Souls game. Great. No jump mechanic. Just good luck. Just good luck. Roll. Try um, rolling. Yeah. I, I want to know why games are obsessed with this battle arena, battle tower type mechanic. Like, is it something that inherently like it's not necessarily bad no. but it's strange it's out of character to think about yeah it's definitely out of character in relation to the rest of the game right like, like they do it i think honestly the reason why they do it is because for people who want to focus on combat 
Sometimes when you're getting into the storyline, it's not combat heavy enough, and they want to provide something that is all combat all the time. Like it, like it comes out of the tactical and combat heavy RPGs. Sure. But here's the question about that. If you wanted to do something that breaks away from the other rest of the gameplay to be a very specific combat arena mm. slash combat tower, because those are also very prevalent, mm. like, what's the in-game reason for it? Like, battle arenas are a little bit more uh, able to be explained. Ah, yes, we're having a competition. Hmm. There's a battle arena, and like in Fable's case, it's like you're fighting the arena against the same characters. It's part of the plot. Um, yes, and when it's part of the plot, it, it can be explained away because plot point or subplot point, there's narration. But like these random battle towers out in the middle of nowhere that just exist. It's like, ah, yes, you can fight up 50 floors for some treasure. Yeah. It's like, why does this exist in this game? Right. Because the thing about it is, is that it, it kind of gets meta. Because even even in, like, Yakuza, there was this whole thing where it's like, yeah, you can go into this battle tower so that you can get powerful enough to handle the tasks that you're going to be yeah. doing later. And it's so, like, oh, oh, you're just kind of showing that it's a game, okay? <laughs> so I'm thinking in, like, tabletop, you could kind of do something interesting if you wanted to. Or let's say we're running a D&D game. Uh, as an example, and we decide, yeah, we're just gonna have like a bunch of battle towers scattered throughout the world. Yeah, maybe each one has like a warlord at the top of it. Yeah, and defeating them gets you something special. Oh God, you know what I think we just made? Pokemon. <laughs> it's a gym battle. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's, just it's like ah uh, yes. Now it's you have ten floor like. 50 floors of a tower yeah. and it becomes just a slog like the issue there is then you have to plan out what's on each floor i think it would be cool if you themed it around like one kind of like enemy yeah that's what pokemon <laughs> yeah these are all fairy enemies yeah. yeah no it's like and then like if you had like undead and you had a tower of the undead and then it just the gets end, more powerful. And then it's a lich. the boss at the end is a lich. Yeah, it's just Vecna. You just have to fight Great. Vecna at the end. It's, that's gonna be. That's gonna suck. Great. But I mean, <laughs> you could. Suck, I feel like you could do something like this in D and D and get away with it. Like mage towers exist. Yeah, but they're not usually. I don't think they're usually battle battle towers. Yeah. But like, I just think it'd be really interesting to be like, all right, there are these ten towers scattered across the world and if you find them it's kind of like breath of the wild at that point you can activate the tower and you can like fight the the warlord or whatever at the top you have to defeat all the enemies or trick them and whatever defeat the tower get special item maybe collect all the special items and then you get like a chest <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 you become a god who knows but like you could tie it into a DD type campaign oh sure um it would yeah. be interesting, though. But again, you have to then plan out all the towers and be like, all right, this one's got goblinoids. And then it's like, by the time you hit the top of it, it's got like three ogre warlords. Something yeah. like that you've got to defeat. And it's like, can you rest in the tower? What happens? Can you sleep in it? Do you get like, are there any rest floors? Here's something that I'm realizing is you might remember once upon a time I ran a game. Once upon a day. And, and only the once. I ran that game. Never again. Never again. Uh, the first quest line that I was taking them on was where there were these two identical towers that they could climb up. They could go either on the left side or the right side. And I did lay them out, and I had mapped it out, that there were ten floors on each one, and then basements, levels that were below it. Now... One now, so there's there's a reason why I did that, and then there's like a hidden reason why I did that. Of course. So the the reason why I did that was because I wanted to create a Romeo and Juliet sort of situation with a bunch of trolls, and that these trolls were of two different houses that hated each other and would constantly snipe at each other across the towers. And the, you know, and a prince and a princess essentially were at the top being held by the opposite family. 
captive and you had to figure out how to free them and you know reunite them and show that love conquers all and the trolls were literally like internet trolls but they looked like trolls but they were the but they but they acted like internet trolls and so the idea of you know stopping the internet trolls and letting true love prevail and then i had different floors that were supposed to be armories or barracks or stuff like that and had different traps and so on um, and I did that because I thought it was a really easy layout that people could get up and down uh, so that they could move freely from one to the other. Now, the, the hidden reason why I did that was because, frankly, I didn't really know how I wanted to structure the overall campaign and where I wanted to go with the characters. So I figured that if I started with something pretty basic like this where they had you know, these two essentially large dungeons to go up and down through with different challenges. It would give me a lot of time to figure out how they function mechanically, what they do in combat, who their characters are, and it would give me plenty of time to figure out what the next thing that would be more focused would be. Ah. So, yeah, that was my hidden agenda behind the whole thing, was to build their characters out by using those towers. That wasn't necessarily, well, it was a little bit progressive as, as I went up, where I was like, well, they're probably going to have some just, like, not exactly the brightest trolls, like down toward the bottom. As we get higher, though, there are traps, there are obviously, like, uh, you know, barricades where the trolls had taken over these towers, uh, and, and had made, like, fortifications when you get up toward the armory. Now they've got armor on, they've got weaponry, and um, as, as they go up and up and up. And uh, they're not quite as focused on the phones. That I should have mentioned that. The story beat here of being the fantasy world where things from other worlds keep coming in, the whole idea was that there were literally these two families that lived in these towers and hated each other, but then a bunch of cell phones came down from the sky and they got so focused on looking at their phones and trying to snipe at each other online that the trolls could easily move in, take over the place, but then they found the phones. <laughs> and so when you so that when you get in there, they all they've done is they've raised their entire culture up around what they've done on social media. Great. <laughs> right. And the trolls yeah. took over, but yeah. You ever think you get a little too meta with your ideas? Uh Rift Hunter was, was literally meta the game. So Yeah. <laughs> that that was... turned out really well, right? Yeah, it meta got destroyed. <laughs> so But anyway. Um, so, funnily enough, my very first quest line ended up being around towers that you had to battle up through. See? Prevalence. Now, yeah. what are we going to do with this information? Well, I think it informs uh, one of the reasons why developers might do it. Because it, uh, it actually provides a baseline for your characters. You know, how they function in combat, what they do, especially if it's combat focused. Sure, I mean, fighting a battle tower in a video game, though, you're already probably familiar with your character and how they function, and the developers mm. already know it because it's been coded in. That's true. That's true. They uh, don't need to get familiar with your characters. Yeah, it's just... Then it's just a proving ground. Okay, so we've got a proving ground kind of thing, becoming the champion of the arena. Do you think it has something to do with the fact that uh, we have a little bit of... Um, a, a, a little bit of a, of a societal interest in like the Colosseum kind of style gladiator fighting that got big like back in the day. I don't know. I don't think that fits. Russell Crowe just made us all want to <laughs> battle in arenas. Maybe. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just thinking that if you're playing like a lot of fantasy games, there might be an aspect where you're like, remember like the Roman Colosseums and the battles that they did? Wouldn't it be yeah. cool if there was a thing? Those were fighting animals. Yeah. A lot. They, well, they fought each other, but it they didn't, like, fight to the death very often. No, and when they didn't fight each other, they were fighting, like, bears lions. and lions and tigers. And... Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there was something I was listening to not that long ago. It's like, yeah, not that long ago, like, throwing, like, 
animals in a ring to kill each other was a form of entertainment. Very recently. Yeah, within the last couple hundred years. Um, and it was like, well, you actually, know... actually, even now. <laughs> well, um, even now it's now. frowned upon heavily, but... It is. Um, back then it was, like, accepted yes. as just a form of entertainment. And they were talking about how, like, you know how people say that, like, Shakespeare's plays mm. are rather bloody? I guess. I don't know. I'm not really a Shakespeare fan or know much about it, but apparently his plays are rather, like, bloody and violent and stuff. It's like, yeah, because he had to compete with, like, bear arenas. Yeah. <laughs> where they actually just would be like, yeah, we're just gonna put a bear in here and, like, have it, you know, fight to the death versus whatever. Or they, like, I guess one of them was, like, throw wild dogs in there or dogs in there and have it with, like, a lion or things like that. Yeah, or monkeys and just have animals tear each other apart for oh, entertainment. Yeah. Oh, and I was yeah. like, okay, wow, yeah. the the past was the worst. People uh, had too much time on their hands, I guess. I thought that they they were busy trying to like survive without like indoor plumbing and stuff. But then apparently, apparently the way to get around that is by having animals murder each other for all your of, entertainment. All of us see this is the, why the Romans should have never invented the aqueducts. They spent too much, they, they got too civilized, and then all of a sudden they were like, well, now we're bored. Now we have to find new entertainment. We don't How are they bored? Out. They line the aqueducts with lead. Oh, that just hardens your, your uh, bloodstream, right? Isn't that how it's that the, works? It's how they sweeten their wine, too. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Delicious. Where the, where the wine tastes like lead. Uh, just, oh, so fortified. That's why it's red. Anyway, red. yes, yeah. that's why it's red. Um, but uh, in terms of like actually doing it in a, a role-playing game, there is the opportunity to say that if you're doing arena fights, it actually does have something to do with the storyline, which they usually try to integrate into uh, the video games when I've seen it before. Uh, I know that like in KOTOR, if you actually beat the guy that's at the head, there's actually rewards associated with it. You gain access in a way that you didn't have options before. Um, and and there were whole quest lines in like Fallout New Vegas when you went to the the fighting pit, uh, the the blood pit or whatever, uh, and Skyrim too. And, and and in Fable, like you had mentioned, it actually is actually a crucial part of the game because it's the way that you meet Jack. You have to access yeah. Jack through that and make a critical choice about Whisper. But if you're just providing you know, the Tower of Terror, where you just go down through it, is it mostly just so that you can get experience? Probably. Experience or loot? Experience I don't really or loot. It's the Loot Tower. Yeah, the Loot Tower. It's like the Loot Cave, but full of monsters. Full of monsters. Um, is this something that we should actually try to put into to a, an RPG? Do you think we could I, mindscape that? I don't really think it's worth it. Unless you have a specific vision in mind for that specific thing being a focal point, I don't think it's worth just throwing them in randomly. You'd have to have something that really codified it for, like, the reason why you're doing it. Like, towers can exist in a world, especially sure. a fantasy setting. I understand that. Or even, even in, like, a wartime setting, because you'd have spires, you'd have, like, a, you know, forts and stuff like that, where you'd have sp spiraling towers. Uh, but I'd want an actual motivation to go up there and not just, here's more enemies to kill. Yeah, I mean, in the case of a, a, a fort, I wouldn't fight my way to the top of an enemy tower. No. I would surround the base with explosives and detonate the entire tower and then clean up the mess afterwards. Or you do like this... why fight all the enemies there? Just blow the tower up. Unless they're sniping at you with like shotguns or something at the top. Or or bows or something at the top. I have a spell called uh mold earth. Oh yeah, that will do it. And this stone tower is technically stone and I can take stone to like turn stone to mud. Oh yeah. So uh Yeah. Or, you know, even if you wanted to, you just keep moving the earth out from underneath the tower and just keep sinking the tower down. Perfect, yeah. There's so many ways. Through the top. In a fantasy setting like D&D, there are so many ways to overcome a tower. I think it would actually be funny if you put a tower in just for the purpose of, like, seeing how they deal with it. 
Oh my god. Yeah, just have no staircase or way to get into the tower at the base. You have to figure no, out how to get in. No, there's a way to get in. The door is locked. The door is locked, so you can use so, knock to open it if you wanted to. Yeah. Or, so you're like, at the top of this tower, Yeah. you have a sign. Like, at the top of this tower is a treasure unimaginable. If you can fight your way to the top, you know, Yeah. Yeah, you earn the prize. And it's like, the first trial is getting in the door. But, like, there's no actual door, maybe? There's... Here's here's a way that I don't think most people would have thought about. But I do like the idea if you just used, like, shape water. Like, near the top of the tower. <laughs> and just drench everybody that's inside of it. Like, if you could just... Uh, like, you could eventually maybe flood the... If you just kept using shape water, you might actually be able to flood the tower. That would be hilarious. And then everybody drowns. <laughs> and then it just pours water out the top, and you're like, ah, there we go. Yep, yep, that would be, that would work out great. Um, if you want higher level spells, just do Meteor Storm. It, and then, then your area of effect is the whole tower. Everybody inside right. of it is the area of effect. <laughs> well, I mean, it would hit the floor above it, so. Anyways, True. I think if you're going to use a tower in a game, I think use it as some obstacle to try and see how they work around it. Mm. Not just fill it with enemies. You can still fill it with enemies, but don't, like, go ham. I think it'd be funnier and more interesting to see, like, if they sink it into the ground, or if they make it topple over, destroy it. Something. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of fun things you can do. And I think that that's the real benefit here of seeing how you can do it in a tabletop game versus in a video game. Because I think in the, in the video games, you usually end up with a scenario where it's just, I need to fight through the enemies to get to the top of the tower, the bottom of the tower, go down through the 100 floors, and fight your way through. In a tabletop game, though, sky's the limit, baby. What do yeah, you, how do you literally. want to address... Yes, literally. And maybe you maybe you fly. Maybe you reverse gravity. Wouldn't that On be amazing? Tower. On the tower. And you have one of those, those like, light walls somewhere in the tower. <laughs> and you do it. And then everybody, as they topple through in reverse gravity, they pass through the wall. <laughs> Find a way to just make the whole thing oil and then set it on fire. Not that hard. You spell grease at the top. Yep. Anyways. There's a, there's a lot of ways that you can deal with that without having to deal with, the you know, just the battle arena style. If you're going to do the arena part, though, I would suggest that there's actually a storyline around while you're fighting in the arena. <laughs> Uh, it'd be good for your characters. Um, it's for money. It's for money, fame, fortune, or I would like to see the idea of it being for access. Like, you know that there's a fighter that's being held against their will, and they're the champion of the arena, and you you really need information that they have, so you're going to have to fight to the point where you can you can talk to him. And, uh, you know... And, and Turns out he's got no tongue. He's got no tongue, and it turns out that the only way you can get the magical scroll is you have to beat him in the arena. <laughs> there you go. And then they'll hand you his possessions. <laughs> One of his possessions is the scroll with the information you need on it. But hey, if anyone out there has an idea for how you might want to do arena fighting or how you'd set it up, please let us know. Uh, and uh, if you happen to be or over... Or tower. How you deal with the tower. How do you deal with the tower? That's a really good question, actually. Folks out there, you have the tower. How do you actually deal with the tower? <laughs> a lot of options. So, Alex, now that we've fought through a thousand levels of arenas... Uh, nap time. It's nap time. So, before we go the prize for the champion of the arena. Where could they, our fine champions, find more information about Total Pebble Knockdown? You can find your prize over at TotalPebbleKnockdown.com. And the funny thing is, is that I just started to realize one of the best ways to deal with the arena is if you had a boulder at the top and you just let it go down the spiral staircase, rolling over everybody in, in the wake. I think you can make that happen. Anyway, 
While you are there, feel free to click on our Patreon banner. Uh, patrons get early access to all the complete video components uh, before they even go out in individual segments. So you get that and early access to all the other projects that we have. And you also get all of the premium content, i.e. the stuff that we cut out of episodes. Uh, so all the good stuff. Yeah, the, the between the scenes of the, uh, of the show. Uh, when you are also over there... Uh, you can find uh, some of the other projects that we do. Right now, you can find uh, the first entry from Creatures, The Winter Wolf, uh, which is yes. a speed drawing piece that looks great. You should definitely check that out. Um, and uh, you can also find us on social media. I am at Citanium. I am at EXP Limited, and the show is over at Pebble Knockdown. If you're looking for the podcast, you can find us on every podcast known to mankind. Uh, and uh, we also upload to Anchor, which is always a good one. So if you have yes. any for... And if uh, you enjoy the podcast, please share it with a friend. Tell them that it's fantastic and entertaining and it makes you smarter and prettier. We would certainly be surprised to hear that ourselves. Yes. Yeah, that, that, would, that, that would be amazing. Uh <laughs> And uh, feel free to stop by either a Discord channel or, or check us out somewhere and say hi. We'd appreciate that. Just to know that you're out there. Uh, and, uh, of course, thank you to our Shining Level patrons and all of our patrons. We thank them at the end card. Uh, you keep the digital lights on. Since we are so shiny and the lights are on, I think it's, it's time that we actually collect our prize from the arena and um, go back to our barbarian tribe. Yes, then. it's um, gold, and we're going to eat it. If you eat enough gold, does that make you a gold mine? It makes you heavy. <laughs> it makes you heavy, yes. and, and worth a lot to jewelers. Yes. No idea where we went with that segment, but hey, you know what? It's the end of the episode. And by the way, thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next one. Goodbye for now. Bye. I can do I stuff if... Keyboard cat. I can do keyboard, keyboard cat? I can do keyboard cat. Is it just a cat that's bapping on the keyboard? Yeah, have you not seen keyboard cat before? <coughs> Bless you. I got, I got allergic to Alan Wake, but uh. <laughs>